Time now for our MVP as I welcome him uh, to the show. It is none other than Neil Powell, Springbok Sevens coach. So let's get him on the line. I'm in a different studio today, so everything seems to work a little differently. But Neil, are you there? Yes. Oh, I mean, I good to chat. How are you keeping? Yeah, no, well in yourself. I'm very good, Thanks thank you. Thank you. Oh, good, thank you. Thank you for accepting our invite. But I mean, we talk about this new normal, you know, hashtag new normal, wherever you are, whichever conversation. How are you digesting the new normal? Yeah, listen, I think um, for me and my family, I'm very much an introvert. So this, um, this is actually going for me. I mean, uh, normally, especially the first part of the year, we'll be on the road most of the most of the, the, the um, first part of the year, mm-hmm. so two and a half weeks away from home, two and a half weeks at home. And, mm-hmm. and now I have time at home where I can spend time with my family and my two boys. Um, they are eight and three and a half years old, so it's... Um, for me, I'm, I'm really enjoying the time that we, we're in. I know there's a lot of challenges for a lot of people, and obviously financially, we, we right. all took a bit of a, a salary cut in terms of that. Um, I think there's a lot a lot of positives as well. Even the time that you have for yourself now, reading books and started to exercise again, just because you have the time now on your hands, and it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a very positive time for me to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does have its challenges, but um, I think overall, um, very much positive. Did it take you a while to acclimatize to being in one place and not living out of a suitcase? <laughs> it did take us. It did take me a while. I think. Uh, at the, I think after three weeks, my wife was like, "When are you touring again?" I think she started to get a bit frustrated with me around the house and uh, being too long at home, and sometimes you get frustrated as well. And uh, yeah, but it was, it was like I said. I think as soon as you started to. Realize this is the time that you spend with each other now, um, and it's it's amazing time. It's the mm-hmm. time that we're not going to have over again. Mm. Um, yeah, you realize like yes, that's such a it's such a blessing, and um, yeah, I really enjoy enjoying it to this stage. But coach, do you suffer at all from daddy guilt? If I could talk, if I could call it that, daddy guilt, where it's the wife at home making sure the kids do everything. You're on the road, and often you're missing out on. The little milestones, you know, whether it is that your younger son says a new word or, you know, three and a half years ago took his uh, first step or maybe two years ago, rather. Um, do you yeah. suffer from daddy guilt? I think I think any traveling father sometimes do get that guilty feeling when he, when he misses stuff. And you often miss stuff. You miss maybe a first game or second rugby game or you miss a soccer game or you miss something. And I think you from that, that place of guilt, you almost try to catch up when you're at home, and mm. but unfortunately you're never going to get that time back. But um, I think, yeah, it's, it's a it's a difficult balance sometimes to get out to get right. But they obviously need to go to work to earn some money to look after a family. Mm. But um, um, you would also love to be at all the all the rugby games and all the first um, the first in his life. But unfortunately, it, it's not meant to be. So. What I try to do is to spend as much quality time with them when I can. So when I'm actually at home, I try to be at home and not um, have my work in my head or still work mm-hmm. when I go home after after work in the afternoon. So I try to finish all my work at home or then get up early in the morning um, to start working again when they're still asleep. Um, so that I don't miss that quality time with them when I do have time at home. Yeah, it's a difficult balance to strike because, like you said, you need the work in order to look after the family at the end of the day. But during this time, what did you spend most of your time doing with the boys? 
basically playing sports and then obviously homeschooling. <laughs> I think for for all the parents that got kids at, 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 um, at school already, um, the homeschooling was quite a bit of a challenge. And not the fact that they can't do it or it was difficult, just that they're so in the group of they want to play with their friends because we, we live in a state, so they just want to be outside and they just want to play with their friends after they've been locked down for about two months and mm. um, wasn't allowed to go out and play with their friends. Now they just want to go out and play. So it's difficult to actually get him to go sit behind those books and, and then do his, um, do his schoolwork. But um, yeah, it was basically just homeschooling and then just playing all kinds of sport. We, I, I can remember, especially in that first three weeks, we couldn't actually leave your your plot or yeah. your house. Um, we, we even played American football. <laughs> in I love it. So any, anything that we can think of that, that includes the ball, we, we played in that first three weeks yeah. uh, in, of lockdown. Yeah. Was sport always a part of, of your life? Yeah. A, I think it's, a, it's again, probably a, a, it's not, a, not a good balance in our, in our families. Um, even as I grew up as a, as a boy as well, um, I was the youngest of two brothers and both of them also played rugby. My father played rugby. My mom played netball. And my uh, wife's side as well. She played some um, netball at school for, for um, Northern Transvaal. So very, very support type of background in the family. And I think, unfortunately, the kids picked up on it as well. So he's mm. a huge Liverpool fan. Um, so oh, congratulations. So he's, <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's very happy about the results of the Premier League. <laughs> Um, no, and he's still, he's played anything that, that um, includes the ball, whether it's soccer, whether it's cricket. Mm-hmm. He, he will even try to ball, and he, he plays rugby as well. So he plays any sporting game that that is ball. Is it innate? Obviously, as you said, sport is in your blood. But is it innate, though, that your boys would pick up on that? And is it something that you encourage, or do you try and strike a balance between the academics and the sport? Yeah, I think my my wife is very much about trying to get that balance between uh, a little bit of culture, um, sport, and academics as well. I think she's very keen to almost get him into different things. So he he attended art classes at at one stage, um, and he actually, um, after stopping doing the art, he actually told us about two or three months later he wanted to go back and do the art again. So I think it's very important for us to not just push them in in terms of the sport, but to get that balance and and try to develop other areas of of Mm. his life as well. And I think that's what we felt we we didn't have. We almost felt like we were only introduced or uh, exposed to sport, to rugby, to netball, and other things. But didn't get the opportunity to go for guitar lessons or go for art classes and see if we got maybe some other talents that we didn't know about. Mm, so, mm. and that's what we tried to do with the boys. We tried to um, give them exposure to all these different areas of their life and uh, to see whether they got other talent as well and not just uh, with a ball in hand. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. If you had to take us back to the days where you were a player, how would you describe yourself to somebody that hasn't ever seen you play? Yeah, um, yeah I think uh, hard worker. I think I'm always willing to do the hard work. I think I'm... I, brought up by my dad that always gave us a look, all the tasks around the house like um, cutting the lawn or cleaning the gutters take the leaves out or whatever it is mm-hmm. he was always he always gave us work around in and around the house so that always brought us up as as uh, that 
to have a bit of work ethic. Um, not scared for the physical stuff. Uh, again, we wrestled from a very young age, uh, probably five, six, seven years old. We started <laughs> wrestling as well, amateur wrestling. So we're so used to that almost full contact that you that you got exposed to as a wrestler. And um, yeah, and I'm probably not the most talented. Um, but not. Not not talented, but not the most talented. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the hard work almost made up for the little bit of lack of talent. If, well, if why I can would say you say that? Would, would, would you put it more down to to hard work, if I could say learned talent, as opposed to naturally, I guess it's in your DNA, born with the talent? Yeah, if I between the three brothers, my oldest brother I would say was probably the most talented of our three. I think he was he was very talented. He was just he just had a, quite a bit of injuries just after just after school because he played crane week for um so grade eleven and twelve. Um very, very talented rugby player, but unfortunately he had some injuries that kept him out of the game for a long while. So I think it's probably because you always compare yourself to your siblings mm. and your brothers that you that um, that you grew up with. But I think definitely more hard worker than than, than the talent. But with my older brother I'll say he was probably more talented, not not maybe that hard working. So um yeah, but it's I think it's just it's just yeah, you should obviously compare yourself to a guy like this and the best as well. I think Furi is very talented. He's got good vision. Um, and I'm, I didn't have those um, those qualities as a scrum of. I was more the hard worker that would would grinding out everything and, and not scared of the physical stuff. Mm-hmm. Not scared, I guess, of, of the physical side of, of the sport. But what would you say then in the playing days was your highlight? Jeez, I think um, in the playing days, it was probably more the, in, in seven. I think 15 was so long ago, I can't, can't really remember <laughs> the highlights in the 15th game. But I think one of the highlights for me is way back when I was a youngster, I uh, was probably like 21 years old, 22 years old, we won the Barucom Cup. Um, and I can remember Kennedy Chimba was my fly-off um, playing in that Barucom Cup, and we had a great partnership as a as a scrum off and fly off. Um, and then seventh, I think winning the very first um World Series tournament as Primox Sevens team has ever won. And that was in Wellington in um, two thousand where Paul True was the was the captain of the team and, and Chester Williams was the coach. Mm. Um so I can remember that that because it's the first time ever that the Springbok Sevens won a tournament, a World Series tournament. So that was that was definitely a highlight. And then as a player also winning the World Series in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, where Mzwan stick um was the was the captain of that um, of that team and then um, Paul Drew was actually the coach then of that team. Yeah, so yeah. those would, I would say was probably the highlights of uh, of my playing career. Amazing. I mean, you're taking me back to some of the things that I want to touch on. I'm going to pay the bills very quickly, Coach. And when we come back, we talk about a place that you and I have in common, a place that I have a great love for, and I know you do too, and that is Namibia. Can you become a title-winning coach? Select your fantasy soccer dream team, and you could win 3,000 Rand airtime every game week, plus your share of 50,000 Rand in data prizes. SMS play to 44833 and join Just Issue Me Five Aside Fantasy League. Services charged at 3 Rand a day, first day free. T's and C's apply. Brought to you by SABC Mobile. 
champions are made on the field of play. Leicester City and Chelsea will hit the ground running during this Sunday's FA Cup quarterfinal clash after undefeated streaks in their previous matches. Dennis Prayet, Kelechi Ionacho and Ricardo Pereira carry the hopes of the Foxes. From all Brighton, this is Ricardo Pereira! They have their breakthrough! After a great day at the office against Liverpool in the round of 16, the Blue Stars set their eyes on the last four. William Da Silva, Pedro Rodriguez and Ross Barkley. Barkley is going to bang it into the back of the net. The Foxes battling out with the Blues this Sunday on SABC3 at 5pm. Hashtag history comes home. The FA Cup now available to all. Brought to you by SABC Sport. For the love of the game. COVID-19 is hitting marginalized communities and people of color harder than others. But there's something you can do. Join Global Citizen and the biggest artists in the world this Saturday, 9.30pm, as we use our collective voice to make sure that everyone everywhere can access COVID-19 tests and treatments. Hosted by Dwayne Johnson, Global Goal Unite for Our Future, the concert will include performances by Shakira, Coldplay, Usher, Jennifer Hudson, Miley Cyrus, Justin Bieber, Quavo and many more. Don't forget to join the millions of people around the globe Saturday 27 June at 9.30pm for the Global Unite Our Future concert brought to you by SABC3. Ladies and gentlemen, today's Touchline MVP... It is none other than Neil Powell, Springbok 7's coach, whom I'm in conversation with. He is on the line as we just... Ladies and gentlemen, today's Touchline MVP. Needs no introduction. (laughs) So I'm going to bring him back on the line as we discuss uh, about the highs, the lows in his career, where he sees himself. And if it is that you'd like to ask a question, 089-110-2000, that is a number to dump. Coach, let's go back to Namibia. Is this really where you're from? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was was born in Bintik, Namibia um, a long time ago and then moved to the Free State when I was four years old. So... To be honest, I, I can't remember Namibia from, from those early days, but um, I still got a lot of family back in Namibia. And actually, my, my parents and my brother actually moved back to, to Vintuk and is oh, currently wow. staying in, in Vintuk, Namibia. So um don't go to Namibia as often as I would have loved to. Uh-huh. Uh, but, um, yeah, but I do get to, to go there every day at least once a year so it's um, yeah and it's a great place amazing it's people it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful i mean the coastline in itself Valfers bay swakopmund it's just absolutely breathtaking you, you you're saying very many years ago if my mathematics and everything aligns it's your birthday tomorrow <laughs> no, no, there's actually, there's actually my birthday, but I think you, I'm at that age now where you almost don't want to don't want to um, have birthdays anymore because it means you're getting older. So, <laughs> you need to start um, subtracting, yeah. not adding. Yeah, <laughs> you, you should start subtracting out. So hopefully I'll, I'll be one young one year younger tomorrow, not one year older. Older, that's it. I like that. That's the new approach that you're taking. Big on birthdays at all? Um, anything special planned? I mean, I guess you could say it's a quarantine birthday because where would you go? Yeah, I think, again, um, definitely not my love language. Um, gifts and, and birthdays, we 
we definitely not big on. I think um, quality time is, is, is my love language and, and acts of service. So the fact that I just have my my wife and my boys around me is, is in the fact that I'm at home is is um, really a gift enough for me for my birthday. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, just enjoying the time at home, having maybe a, the normal bride that you will have in, in any Sunday afternoon yeah. or Saturday evening. So um, yeah, nothing special planned, but just the fact that we I have a family around me and I can spend some family time is, is definitely more than enough for me for, for birthday presents. Mm-hmm. I mean, you seem like you're the family man. Would you say family is involved in your decisions, especially a decision to go from player to coach and assume that role? And just take me through the thinking. I mean, when did you decide that that is the journey you want to follow? Yeah, I think very late in my in my uh, playing career. I think, um, and I think one of the one of the things that I always said, and that's the reason why I only got married when I was thirty two, is that I don't want to get married when I still, um, still played rugby. But I never knew that I'm going to become a coach after playing rugby, and, and that job is almost more away from home and more busy than than you as a player. We as a player, when you're done with your your day's training, then you're done. But as a coach, you still need to go back home. Um, look at the training sessions, look at um, what you need to do tomorrow, do the video sessions for tomorrow, the meetings for tomorrow. So, um, yeah, I only, only knew probably two years before retirement that I want to become a coach. And it, it almost, I don't know, it almost just happens like in front of me because mm-hmm. um, what, I, what happened is as, as a senior player in the system, when these youngsters come into the system like the Robert Eversons and the William Smallsfords and the Walton Petersons, um, I would, when we're in a draw, I would pull him one side and go, shush, um, that would be dead there, maybe try this the next time or maybe this would, would be a better mm-hmm. option and, and I almost started to develop that passion for not just coaching but just helping these young men as well um, to do the right thing in, in certain situations and that almost started that passion for rugby a little bit, but it was very light. I never thought of any anywhere in my playing career that I will become a coach until probably the last two years of, of, of me playing. And I think um, what also helped that passion to start to develop was uh, the fact that I wasn't always chosen to go on these tours. And then we'll stay behind with a few one or two senior players and then a few youngsters. And then in that time when Paul and the teams overseas, I will help coach actually these, these youngsters when we, when we do our field sessions. That is amazing. Was there any point where you hesitate? I mean, you're saying that already, you know, it came naturally for you to say, try this and maybe try that. But for you to kind of step into the role and, and assume it fully, you know, was there a bit of a of a, a hesitation, maybe even that players might not respond to you, and they might think, mm, "Now Neil is trying to tell us what to do." You know, was there any of that? Yeah, I, th- I think I I had a somewhat difficult transition. It was actually made easy by the players, but a difficult transition in terms of. I was actually now coaching the guys that I actually played with. So I was coaching a Frankie Horn that I actually was a roommate with for a full year on the World mm-hmm. Series. And now all of a sudden, this guy that you played with must tell you how to play and what to do. And I think um, that, will, that will always be a challenge. And you can almost feel that half of the guys felt like, okay, that's great, let's go, let's let's do it. And then the other half was still checking this out and go, can this guy actually, um, can he coach? Can, does he have the, the knowledge and the, and the attributes to coach us on, on the World Series? And and I think um, the senior guys, the Frankie Owens and the Carl Browns and, and, and Paul Delport were really good and 
saying to the guys, and I'm definitely not a title person, so don't call me Mr., don't call me coach, whatever you call me, as long as it's respect, I'm happy for you to call me anything, but respect for me is a big thing. Mm. And they actually got the group together and say, listen, this is not your fellow player anymore, he's not your mate anymore, he's not your coach. And they then said to the guys, you must call him coach. Um, so, again, I don't mind what you call me as long as, long as there's respect. And I think um, we were also very blessed to have success very early in my coaching career. I think mm. in my very first um, tournament in charge, we uh, lost in the final against Fiji. And then we actually won the second tournament in PE. Um, we won that second tournament. So and I think as soon as that happened, the success was there. Everybody all of a sudden aligned and said, OK, let's go. We, we, we know where we need to go. So yeah. I think senior players made it easy, but also... Um, the success we had in the beginning and the blessing of the success in the beginning um, definitely helped us to get more aligned and to almost get that confidence as well. Yeah, you seem pretty level-headed, you know, very easy, relaxed um, type of person. From just you and I chatting now, was there pressure heaped on your shoulders as you took over from Paul True? Yeah, I think it will always be pressure. I think he was a very successful coach, won um, the World Series as, as a coach, and and um, you, you knew in South Africa that um, rugby is almost a religion mm. that you have to be successful on the field. I don't care what happens off the field as long yeah. as you're successful on the field. And I think you would always feel that pressure. And I can remember that very first tournament, uh, was it the, the year, first year, second year, I think it was the second year when we played in PE. Um, uh, Nelson Mandela passed away on a Thursday and we had to play on Saturdays in Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium. And I could feel that pressure. I could feel um, almost the public expecting us to, to be successful at yeah, tournament. And yeah. I, I can remember where on the Thursday, um, as we woke up that morning, we obviously heard the news about the, um, Nelson Mandela passing away. And then um, in that very first session, field session, we also, Jason Colby got injured. And um, I was like, oh, it can't be another one. What, what strike three? So yeah. that's... It was strike two, it was strike three. And I think that afternoon when I went back to the hotel, I, I definitely felt the pressure a little bit. I definitely went into my room and there was a few tears because you just felt that pressure. And, and I just said to myself, listen, sleep for half an hour, uh, get up and then keep going and keep going. <laughs> and nobody, nobody's going to feel sorry for yourself. It's going to feel sorry for you, so don't feel sorry for yourself. So um, have, a, have a quick power nap, 30 minute nap, and then get up and, and keep going. And keep going. Is that usually how you handle the pressure? Or, or do you have tricks, I guess, as a coach when you do feel, hey, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed? So, again, I think I got uh, brought up to just get it done. Whatever needs to, to get done, just get it done. Um, whatever it takes, uh, if you have to wake up early in the morning to, to work or stay up late at night to work, then just, just get it get done. It but done. I think my religion is also, my religion also plays a very big role in how I handle um, stress around me. And I think that's a, a great foundation for me to always refer back to and go back to some, um, God is in control, so I, I have that foundation, and, and he, he will never let me down. He will never, he will never fail me. So, um, yeah, I think my religion is, 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 plays a big part in how I handle that stressful situation or, or stress. Yeah. You, you spoke about playing days, highlights, but you've also coached at the Olympics. Uh, would you say that in your, your, your coaching career that definitely does shoot up to number one? <laughs> 
Yeah, I think uh, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to, to answer. I think the fact that we didn't do that well at the Olympics as we would love to, I think um, we were very successful that year um, leading up to the Olympics. We came second in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, Fiji came first, but when we played Fiji, we, we often beat them. So I think we played them seven times that year. We beat them four times, but lost three times. So we felt like if we can get into that final against Fiji, um, in the Olympics, we feel like we had a chance to, to win a gold medal, and then we didn't even make the final. It's probably because we were too focused on on Fiji in the final already, but we mm. lost to Great Britain seven seven five. Um, so still remember that score. Still remember all the things that we did wrong in that game. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think um, I think it, it's definitely it was definitely a highlight as a, as a as a as a coach to be able to go through Olympics, but. Um, we look at the disappointment in our performance at the Olympics um, um, in, in 2016. Mm. What other highs would you say? Because, I mean, 2016-17 also, you finished as the number one team. So just take me through a few of the highlights. I mean, the Olympics obviously being one. Yeah, I think two years before the Olympics, uh, 2014, we, we went to the Commonwealth Games in, in Glasgow. And I think um, in that Commonwealth Games, New Zealand was a favourite to to win the, I don't know, the fourth or fifth Commonwealth gold medal. And we actually managed to beat New Zealand in that final to win to win the gold medal in the, in the 2014 um, Commonwealth Games. So that was, was definitely a highlight. My first um, once-off tournament as a, as a coach or tournament outside of the World Series. So that was pretty special. Um, it was an amazing time as well. I, I, we loved the village, the, the group of players we had there. Was, um, was a good group of players. And obviously that 2016-2017 World Series. But what, what was also special was the 2017-2018 World Series when mm. we, we actually won that World Series, the very last game of the 2017-2018 World Series season where we played in Paris in the final against England. If we lose, we, we would have come second. If we won that game, then we would have won that, that World Series and we managed to beat England in that game and, um, and secure the, the, the number one spot in the World Series. So that was also that was also pretty special. Mm-hmm. If I say the name Cecil Africa to you, what comes to your mind immediately? She's an um, amazingly talented young Player, uh, playmaker, um, somebody that creates opportunities for people around him. He's, he's such a playmaker that at one stage, when um, or when I do analysis on him, and he played probably 90 minutes on most of the game, like 95% of, of, of the games in a tournament. Mm-hmm that he almost never had a ball carry into contact because he's such a playmaker. He never goes into contact with the ball. He, he gets it away or he gets it to somebody, somebody into space. And he was just such a amazing playmaker and ability to read the game of servants one step ahead. So he's yeah. always one step ahead of his opponents and sometimes one step ahead of his teammates as well. So... Um, <laughs> Amazing knowledge of the game, amazing all-round player as well. Because sometimes you'll get those players that are playmakers and so good in attack, but defensively on contact, when it comes to the contact areas, they're not good at all. But Cecil is an all-round good sevens player. That's good in contact. He's he's good in defense. He's um, but he's exceptional in attack, and he 
and it creates opportunities for guys around him. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got many teams that we can support, right? There's a rugby team, there's a football team, there's a netball team, but there's also the rugby sevens team coach. And what would you say makes this the magic here, the camaraderie, the teamwork, um, and this bunch of people special? Oh, I, I don't know what it is, but um, they're really amazing bunch of young men that are so humble. Even when they were so successful for so long, they were such a humble bunch of guys that were keen to help anybody, anywhere, anytime. Um, and I think the, the amazing thing about that team is the diversity and how we, how they and we embrace that diversity and and almost took the positives of all the different cultures and backgrounds and brought it into the system and made the system stronger because of, of those different backgrounds and, and, and cultures. And what amazed me sometimes is when we had a, like a full day of training, um, we started at 8 o'clock and we finished at 5, then after training the guys will still, still go to the nearest coffee shop and then have a coffee with each other and just spend more time with each other. And I, I'm like, shish guys, don't you get fed up with each other? Yeah. And they're like, no, we train. We haven't really spoken to each other. We're <laughs> the training that we haven't really chatted to each other. So this is our time where we can actually chat now. And then it's a Sibelius and Nautlan, a Cecil African, a Carl Brown and a Philip Snyman. And they, they, I can really say that they enjoy each other's company. Now, I think a lot of people hear the guys say we're a band of brothers or we're family. But I can truly say that they are brothers and, and they're family even though they come from different cultures and different mm, backgrounds. Mm, mm. I like that you mentioned culture as well as backgrounds. And I want to bring this next question. Do you think if you take a look at a Rugby Sevens that it is truly transformed? Yes, I, I think it is. I think you you have Zulus, you have Kozas, you have um, you have some uh, English-speaking guys, you have Afrikaans-speaking guys on that team, and and it's and it's a truly transformed team, and and it's a team that's always selected on 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 form, and we never select a team uh, because of background or because of culture. It was it was always selected on form, and the guys that played there deserve to be there, and it's and it's just amazing how, um, like I said, I think how these guys from different backgrounds and cultures just came together and and made this amazing team that can perform like they performed over the last few years and it's um yeah it, it, it makes a guy it makes my heart nice and warm and, and it feels good it mm, really feels good mm, mm. Uh, with obviously the transformed uh transformed team and obviously the magic that you talk about here and then we talk about covid19 coronavirus mm. how has that turned the sport on its head yeah, I think it's a it's a difficult time for for a lot of people, and I think especially in sevens. And if you if you look at just South Africa, um, with obviously the pay cuts the guys need to take because of of, of COVID, um, but then we almost fortunate if you look outside of South Africa, South Africa's borders. I mean, Australia's sevens um, probably took like a sixty percent pay cut. Mm. Um, I know American rugby has filed for bankruptcy, so their players, I think, um, get their last paycheck this month, and then they, they don't have money after that. So um, I think it didn't it, uh, it didn't just transform sevens rugby in South Africa, but. Basically, globally as well, I think it's it's a it's 
going to be interesting to see what it's going to look like after after COVID and after lockdown. And I think what makes our game difficult is the fact that it's a global game. So it's 16 countries that's involved in a tournament that you play in a Dubai that doesn't even have a, t- a team in that specific tournament. So it's actually 17 countries that are involved in, and all 17 countries' COVID status yeah. must be good before they will allow us to go back to to play. So it's um, I think it's a very challenging time. I think the uncertainty about this whole COVID lockdown thing is it's, um, it's, it's making it difficult for everybody because you can't plan, you don't know when to start training. Yeah. Um, no, it's just a lot of uncertainty and hopefully we will get more clarity uh, rather sooner than later. Mm-hmm. What is the word at the moment? Is it like football where you can go back to you know uh, training or not at all. She's well. We we're still waiting for the government to get back to SRP and 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 say give us the go ahead when we're allowed to train. Uh, rumors have it that it will be around the 6th of July that we will be able to get back. But then again, not allowed to do any passing or skills with the ball or any contact skills. You're only allowed to do gym and do um, fitness, uh, so basically running. Um, and obviously to try and keep the social distancing in, in what you do as well. So in smaller groups as well, groups of five, mm-hmm. um, are you allowed to train but not more than five, um, which means that one coach can only, so I can only work with one group of five, so I can't work with all five or all the groups of five. I'm only allowed to work with one group, uh, which also makes it difficult. But again, we'll, we'll be happy just to get back onto the training pitch and, and be able to do do something. I just speaking to um, our captain Shakes and, and the rest of the guys, they all they all keen to get back and, and to start training again. Mm-hmm. That's nice to know that everybody is eager uh, on going back and resuming the sport that they love. But I'm sure you've put your thinking cap on, Coach. I know that you're already working out how is this best going to work if we have to work in the groups of five. Come up with anything interesting you care to share? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> that's going to be interesting. And um, I think the first part is basically the strength and conditioning um, coach's responsibility where he needs to look after the guys on field to make sure that they um, um, keep to the protocols in terms of, of the groups of five and, and the distances they need to keep mm. amongst each other. But again, we, we see it as a challenge, but we also see it as opportunity. I think the fact that um, especially the new generation of young kids uh, need to clean up after themselves um, I think it's a very positive thing. I think um, they're a little bit entitled and they almost like they the gym and then they just walk out of the gym without back, backing away their right. weights or without right. cleaning their weights or whatever it is. And now um, there's a, for me, it's a massive positive to, positive to almost teach them to almost look after themselves or after the area that they've been um, using to train just to clean it up and pack, up, pack away the weights and make sure that it's clean for the next person to come in and come train. So, mm. again, a lot of challenges, but I think a lot of things that we as human beings can also learn from, from the situation. Definitely. Coach, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you, chatting, just seeing how it is and how you've coped during this lockdown. From all of us here at the Touchline, Timmy, T. Miranda and I, wishing you a very happy and blessed birthday for tomorrow. And we hope that you'll be spoiled rotten.
Thank you very much, Romy. Thanks for the opportunity to be on the show. More than welcome, Coach. Thank you very much. Our MVP there today, Neil Powell, Springbok Sevens coach, just going back to his playing days, then fast-forwarding to when he decided that, look, coaching is something that I really want to do to some of the highlights uh, in his career at the moment. So waiting, I guess, uh, if they do go back on the 6th of July, going back with the rest of all the schools, right? So the 6th of July there, a very big day. I guess for us all. And if it is that, um, you know, 6th of July is something that you're waiting for. I know I am because the school doors open and then we start um, practicing the new normal. It's one thing to talk about the new normal. It's another to practice the new normal. A very big thank you to everybody. I'm seeing some tweets coming through as well. Please keep it coming. As I said, in a different studio today, a little intermittent in terms of signal. We're still on the hunt. Uh, We're prowling around here, going around. Timmy is with a huge magnifying glass. So he is working really hard on finding our Pokédex. So keep sending, please keep sending uh, your messages through to us on WhatsApp, which is 06 Six zero five eight four two two five zero, and also not forgetting at Romy Titus at Radio Two Thousand ZA. Our Facebook page is Radio Two Thousand. Go on there, uh, leave a message, let us in on what you want to see on the touchline, and I trust you that we'll do our best to make your dreams come true. Are you looking for specific details from an interview on Radio 2000? If you happen to tune in at the tail end of an interview, or if you'd like to hear a specific interview again, worry not. Just go to www.radio2000.co.za. Click on the show where you heard the interview, and there you will find all the podcasts you might have missed on that particular show. Stay in the know on www.radio2000.co.za. Radio 2000, our music, your memories. Exclusion.